Hello, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakali and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program, but uh, our plan is that we will consolidate uh, the scooter market in the next couple of years. So we are looking at another variant in the next 9 to 12 months or so. Um, addressing the different, uh, you know, different price point, unlocking a, you know, segment, uh, a whole new segment. So a new price point which is slightly lower than where we currently are. That's after these headlines. Tesla's advanced driver assistance system, Autopilot, is being investigated by US auto safety regulators after a series of crashes at emergency sites, according to multiple reports. The investigation by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration covers an estimated 765,000 Tesla Model Y, X, S and 3 vehicles from the 2014 model year onward, according to Bloomberg. The regulator, which has the power to deem cars defective and order recalls, has launched the investigation after 11 crashes that resulted in 17 injuries and one fatality. Facebook and Google are backing new underwater cable projects that will give the tech giants greater control of the global internet infrastructure that their businesses rely on, Wall Street Journal reports. The Two Africa project, a partnership between Facebook and several international telecom operators, said yesterday that it would add four new branches, the Seychelles, Comoros Island, Angola and Nigeria. The project's overall plan calls for 35 landings in 26 countries with the goal of building an underwater ring of fiber optic cables around Africa. It aims to begin operating in 2023. Separately, Facebook and Google are joining a 7,500 mile long underwater cable system in Asia called Apricot that would connect Japan, Taiwan, Guam and the Philippines, Indonesia and Singapore. The project is scheduled to go live in 2024. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos' space tech company Blue Origin has taken America's National Aviation and Space Administration to court over a moon lander contract which the American Space Agency has given to rival SpaceX. Blue Origin was one of three companies competing for a contract to land NASA's first astronauts on the moon since 1972. In April, NASA shelved the company's $5.9 billion proposal of its Blue Moon landing system and went with SpaceX's $2.9 billion Starship proposal instead, opting to pick just one company for the project after saying it might pick two. The contract involves two lunar landings, one test landing without humans and another with humans and SpaceX has already received $439 million from NASA to start its work, according to The Verge. Intel may release the first of its gaming-focused discrete graphics chips in March next year. The chips got their own family name yesterday, called Intel Arc, CNET reports. Formerly known as DG2 and based on the HPG variant of the company's latest generation of its GPU designs, the first chips based on its Intel XE HPG architecture bear the new codename Alchemist. Intel plans to release more details by the end of this year and to begin shipping Alchemist products by the end of March 2022. 
Subsequent generations also get code names Battle Mage, Celestial, and Druid, according to CNETS. Rapido, a bike taxi aggregator in India, has raised $52 million in a new financing round. Investors in the six year old startup's latest funding, Series C, include Shell Ventures, Yamaha, Kunal Shah of CRED, Amarjit Singh Batra of Spotify India, and Positive Moves Consulting. Existing investors Pavan Munjal of Hero Group, Westbridge, Nexus Venture Partners, and Everblue Management also participated in the round, which brings Rapido's total funding to over $130 million, according to TechCrunch. Ether Energy, a Bangalore based electric scooter maker, announced last week that it was open sourcing its charging connectors to encourage the implementation of a common standard for chargers across different electric two-wheeler makers in India. I spoke to Ravneet Pokela, Chief Business Officer at Aether, to understand the significance of this move at a time when the electric two-wheeler market in India is poised for rapid growth. Here's more from our conversation. Uh, Ravneet, uh, welcome back to this podcast. Uh, thank you for making time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, so in some interesting news from Aether uh, last week, uh, you all are looking to open source uh, the technology around your uh, charging connector. Uh, so that's one of the things I definitely want to ask you about, but perhaps you could start with uh, giving us a broad sense of how you see the overall electric two-wheeler market in India evolve over the rest of this year and going into 2022. Yeah, I think it's a, the industry is poised at a really exciting phase. Um, the developments of the last few months uh, across a variety of things, right? So. So typically, you know, if if there are just one or one or two things in the ecosystem that are looking, uh, you know, positive, it doesn't really drive the industry overall. But in this case, if you just if you just look across, so from a consumer perspective, you know, there is high awareness, uh, acceptance, and acceptance of of EVs, and awareness in the right context, not just the fact that you know EVs are good for the environment and and EVs save money, but the fact that EVs just a better technology, it runs faster. You know, it's a better drive and a whole bunch of things, right? The pe- people are generally seeing this as an upgrade. So there's high consumer response. The government has, you know, stepped in with, uh, you know, with a very positive intent, uh, whether it's a central government upping the fame subsidy uh, by 50% or some of the state governments jumping in, governments like, uh, you know, Gujarat, Maharashtra, uh, Rajasthan, Delhi already was there. So essentially, you know, uh, so government sort of, you know, jumping in and, and, and you know, and providing the impetus. And um, I think in just overall uh, announcements about amongst other players to, you know, which, which just increases consumer choice. So any which way you see, yeah, I think it's a just great time for the industry. And um, and we are, we are entering into, you know, the, the classic, you know, hockey stick curve in, in the sales graph. And next two to four years is going to be like super duper exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And more specific to Ether itself, uh, over the last uh, several months, you you also have uh, uh, given out some comments and some statements about how the company's sales have picked up, uh, you know, very strongly. What's the latest on that? So sales continue to uh, to go up uh, month on month, and as I mentioned today, we are in a state where uh, whether uh, Ether as a as a as a brand or or us collectively as an industry. Uh, today, our collectively our single biggest problem to solve is in demand. That used to be a problem, you know, maybe a couple of years back. Really, we're looking at more, uh, you know, more supply constraints in terms of supply chain, uh, you know, semiconductor chip shortage, and a bunch of things, right? 
so so you know uh, so we we we, uh, we believe that wherever we end this year is probably about 20 25% shorter than we could have got to uh, you know if supply was unconstrained so so really you know we're just looking at the scaling up uh, from a market perspective we are in about 15 markets already we've been about you know about uh, 40 45 markets by end of this financial year and on top of that 45 we had about 45 50 more in the next financial year so honestly, right now we are on a springboard, just like waiting to take a big leap. Yeah. Hmm. So so let's talk about the connector. Last week uh, you announced that uh, you're going to give away the design specifications of your charging connector. Uh, how will this help? See the a bunch of bunch of things. Yeah. So uh, firstly, just from any infrastructure business, uh, from a business model perspective, and also from a consumer experience perspective, there needs to be interoperability. Uh, that's fundamental to any infra business, you know, and, and charging infra is not is not different, right? I mean, if you, by just way of reference, <clears throat> if you cast your eye on what telecom used to be many years back, maybe 20 years back, where each of these telco operators had their own uh, towers, till, you know, there were third-party providers like Interstars, etc., that commonized stuff and, you know, you just commonize infrastructure. It just makes a whole lot of business and money sense, right? Similarly, from a, from a charging infra perspective, um, interoperability is very important uh, it, because if the interoperability, uh, the you know the the business case for people in the infra business becomes strong because then you're you're catering to a much light much larger uh, customer base either today or in future. Then you would if you had proprietary system, then each one had their own set of customers. So let's say if Eta had their own system and Hero had their own system and Okinawa had their own system, Bajaj had their own system. That means you know people are setting up these systems are setting up only for that's those those individual brands, right? It really is, it doesn't really help uh, anybody's cause. It's, it'll always become a deterrent for infra players to come and start scaling up. So interoperability is is, is very very important. Uh, also from a consumer perspective, right? If uh, you know if if all infra is, is commonized and there's interoperability, then you know your your access to infra uh, is so much higher than if they're proprietary systems and there's only so many that exist in any particular city for your brand. Right? So anyway, if you see this is a critical thing. Uh, uh, so far, uh, you know, there isn't really a connector standard that's been defined for, for India. Uh, we've, <clears throat> we've adopted global standards. So there's a CCS, Jadamo, et cetera, and type two uh, for cars. But even internationally, uh, there aren't sort of any credible, uh, you know, standards to adopt for two wheelers. And the Indian car government has been working for the last, I think, two to three years to, to sort of uh, arrive at a standard that's still in the works. And in the absence of a standard that's been defined, you know, we, you know, we believe that there is what we have uh, addresses the uh, addresses the needs of, uh, of pretty much everybody in the ecosystem. And we base it not just on, on a personal opinion, but also if, if you look at the direction that the government is taking in terms of uh, defining specs for a, for a common connector, then you know we sort of you know we check all those boxes so you know ac charging dc charging uh, in the same connector communication small size cost whole bunch of things right so which is why we said that you know if you already have something uh, handy something that can be used by other oems as well we'll just open it up uh, in the absence of a larger national standard even if two or three uh, oems adopt it it just makes the pie bigger you know and interoperability becomes easier between these four players two or three players potentially whoever they might be and just sort of helps the overall cause here. So that's what we said we would do and just open it up. Mm. Even before announcing it, uh, I would imagine uh, you would have been talking to your uh, 
uh, peers, other companies in the industry. Uh, what has been the general reaction? So we've been, we've been talking to a bunch of players. Um, so they see there is openness, but it also means change from, uh, you know, from their side. And this is a hardware change, right? Because it's not just a connector, uh, you know, but the, you know, the, uh, the pairing on the other side of the vehicle also needs to change. So any hardware change, you know, uh, you know, any design change takes time because first there's design and there is development and there's validation and then the supply chain. So a whole bunch of things need to happen. So, so these are early stages of discussion, uh, you know, but uh, I think we've got a good uh, positive response, but uh, these, these discussions take time. Yeah? So, uh, you know, we'll see how we sort of go along. Hmm. So uh, are there any uh, stipulations from your end or, uh, and uh, will you just go ahead and publish the specs on the internet? How do you plan on doing this? Yeah, so basically we'll, well, internet or not, we'll just make it available and not just make it available, but let's say if there is potentially, you know, brand brand A, uh, you know, that wants to adopt and they need some help, then we also willing to, you know, lend uh, technical and R&D support. So, you know, our engineers can work with their engineers to just smoothen and help with the transition. So the idea is to make it easier. The idea is to, you know, and genuinely, you know, try and uh, drive adoption instead of just, you know, making an announcement and checking a box. So, uh, so whatever it takes, uh, we haven't really, we, we haven't got any specific asks by way of help from, from any brands yet, because like I said, this is early stages of discussion, but we just committed to doing whatever it takes if somebody wants to adopt it. Hmm. And in Ather's case, is this is the same uh, charging uh, uh, hardware used for both uh, public uh, charges as well as the points that you set up at customers' homes? Yes, see, the, see the, the, the connector is the same. Now, the, the, the use case for public charging becomes very apparent. Like, you know, if public charging infrastructure has a common connector, and, I mean, the vehicles have common connectors and the, and the public infra has the same uh, pairing. Obviously, the, that case is very obvious and people understand it really well. The other one, which is not very obvious, but very important, is that a very large upside from a, from a charging infra perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, is, uh, is, uh, is semi-private, not pure play public infra. So, for example, large office complexes or housing complexes, house societies, condominiums, etc. Now, let's say pick up a random, let's you know, since I live in Bangalore, pick up, let's say something like a, uh, like a Adarsh. Uh, palm retreat where I live, right? Now, if I was to uh, approach the, the the RWA to say, hey, can you, you know, there are uh, Ather vehicles, will you allow me to set up Ather Charge Public, you know, in a, in a common area, clubhouse? There will be because it's about one brand, like why would they do that? But if let's say if the, if the standards were common, I'd say, you know what, I'll come and set up, you know, like 5, 10, 8, 15, uh, you know, uh, charging points. So that everybody can use, you know, irrespective of which brand they own. Suddenly, the openness, you know, for that becomes it just helps everybody. Uh, you know, consumers find it easy because they don't need to set up individual chargers. You know, the society can have it. Uh, RWA can also monetize that at some point if they're required. It just it just helps the cause. And similarly, if you look at, uh, you know, uh, uh, tech parks and, and large office complexes, same logic applies there as well. If if I approach her, you know, there'll be there'll be a certain level of openness. But if what Ather provides is applicable and usable for every, um, uh, you know, bike. Then suddenly the, you know, the, the ubiquity of the charging infra, the semi-private infra becomes so much more, which we believe is huge upside from a, from an infra perspective, right? And which is why we sort of, we are, we are, we've been driving this. Uh, sorry, what is the RWA? Uh, the residence station, basically the, the Welfare Association. Okay. Okay. Huh. 
Cool. Um, do you have an estimate uh, or even an informed uh, guesstimate on uh, the number of public and semi-public charging points you would need, say, over the next 18 months and then beyond into 2025 in India? So I can, I'll give you, um, uh, instead of an absolute number, I'll give you the logic of the build-up. It'll just easy for you to sort of frame the, the picture in your head. So our, our intent is that um, wherever we are present as a uh, we want to make sure that any customer in that particular geography, uh, any city, is no more than two kilometers away from an ether charging point. So that's the intent with which we are uh, scaling up our infrared. Today we're not there, but that's the intent. Now, uh, by way of reference, if you look at a, a city like Bangalore, um, if you have to achieve this metric, it would mean about maybe 100, 110 charges. So if, if that's Bangalore, then Bombay add about maybe, you know, 50, 60% more, Delhi add about 3x more, Chennai is similar ballpark. So start giving you a sense of the you know, charges per city that we're looking at. These are just pure play public location, right? Uh, so we believe that over the next, uh, uh, you know, over the next uh, couple of uh, couple of years or so, uh, we, we should be in about, uh, in about two, two and a half thousand sort of, sorry, just one second, I'm just keep getting this. Yeah. Two and a half thousand locations uh, 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 just for Ether. Bear in mind today, while the connector is not standardized, uh, but our public locations uh, still have the ability to charge non Ether vehicles. So that charging is through a regular three pin plug, which a charging infra has. It's not fast charging, but technically you can still charge. But that's a reference in terms of, uh, you know, in, in terms of numbers. So if, if you Let's assume, let's fast forward maybe, you know, a couple of years or so, let's assume, you know, the standard is, uh, is defined and, you know, most OEMs are on the same, then a city like Delhi should see about maybe about 800 or 1000 locations, uh, Bangalore, maybe about 200 or so. So that's the reference we're looking at, right? Semi-private is difficult to quantify because it has a direct relation to uh, two things. Uh, firstly, is the, uh, is the density of the public location and the second is the is the speed of charging. So if let's say, you know, so we are right now targeting super fast charging, super fast is let's say in about, in about 10 minutes, you get about 30 kilometers of range. So the moment you have that, then your, uh, your willingness to spend uh, time in pure pay public is so much high and reliance on semi public becomes slightly less. So it's a little, I know it's not very clear answer I'm giving because there are a lot of moving parts in this question, but, uh, uh, but the way I will frame this is that the, the moving parts are number of public locations, absolute number, uh, the speed of public charging, because that has a bearing on the numbers that you eventually need to go for. And in the context of that, um, you know, how many semi-private locations uh, you would need. Hmm. Uh, what are some of the most important uh, lessons that have emerged from uh, other large electric uh, two-wheeler markets and especially China? that might be relevant to India in terms of uh, strong uh, infrastructure development? So I think the, the uh, one of the most important things to solve for is, uh, is personal home charging, right? Which is where semi-private sort of comes into the picture. Because no matter how fast you make public charging, it is still never going to be as as easy as, you know, going back home, plugging it and sleeping and waking up with a full full charge. So the fastest of charging is never going to replace the convenience of, of uh, you know, just overnight charging. 
which is where the semi-private comes in. So far, at, the, at this stage of the development of the industry, uh, you know, there are, there are enough, uh, there's enough consumers out there who, who have the ability, either they have individual houses or they live in, you know, in apartment blocks where they have access to, uh, you know, either shared or, or personal locations where they can set up charges. But as we start scaling up, you're looking at selling in like hundreds of thousands and millions, um, you will need to start looking at, uh, you know, at least for large cities uh, and multi-story apartments, you know, solutions for, for private charging. Because at some point that will become uh, a deterrent. Like we already see that in places like Bombay, where the you know spaces at a premium, where you know uh, even though people live in housing societies, uh, multi-story apartments, there aren't really places where you can put sort of charges up and all that. So solving a personal charging, uh, you know, is an important step because overnight charging is a dominant charging behavior worldwide. Right? Whether it's cars, whether it's scooters, whether it's bikes, whether it's anything else, right? And, and 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 that's why the you know this whole focus on semi-private is a sort of a cusp between private and public. Uh, if you solve for that, I think we solve for a lot of barriers of uh, adoption. Certainly, those that pertain to charging uh, charging worries. Hmm. Uh, let me uh, change tack a little bit. One other thing that I wanted to ask you about uh, is that you've recently released uh, an impact report. Uh, what were some of the most important takeaways from that report for you? See, the impact report is uh, is our first one. Uh, it essentially is a, uh, is a is really putting your money where your mouth is in, in a manner of speaking, right? So <clears throat> we've always believed that um, the the impact that you make on the environment or the world at large around you isn't really a uh, you know uh, like a happy byproduct of what you do, but it's an active goal. Like the, the fact that we are in the EV business, uh, that itself would mean that you know the more EVs we sell, the more products we sell, the more tailpipe emissions uh, we reduce, and the more CO two emissions we reduce, right? But that's a byproduct of what we sell. But that's not an active goal. So what we what we committed to was an active goal that looks at you know a positive impact across a variety of things, whether it's people, whether it's policy, whether it's environment, whether it's climate, whether it's a bunch of other things where we look at the impact we make. So it has things like, you know, work with vendors and, and their, their systems and their commitments. We look at gender diversity, we look at equal opportunity, we look at uh, openness and transparency and a whole bunch of things, right? I think from what I remember, there were 252 parameters in, in four buckets. So we uh, so the first one was really an assessment of where we are, uh, more like a baselining of, uh, of our, our current uh, situation. Um, but, uh, in you know, uh, uh, Interestingly, even though it was the first one, um, so it, the the accreditation has four levels. So we are actually at three already, just the beginning of three. So early days for us, but but it's a uh, you know it's it's a commitment that we make. And and by the way, I don't know if you're aware that we are the first uh, company in India and second automotive in the world after Tesla, who's actually set out and 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 you know and uh, invested behind uh, this entire thing, like in the impact report. Most companies who, who publish this stuff uh, are, <coughs> excuse me, they do it as they're part of their uh, sort of either the balance sheet or if they're a listed company or part of the regulatory requirements. But this is a absolutely proactive step that we've taken, um, you know, and to, to really define and, 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 and like, you know, where, where we currently are to begin with. And importantly, you know, having defined that, it just tells us the areas we need to focus on over the next few years. And we and we are looking and we will publish this year on year. We make it public so that there is you know there is commitment that we are sort of uh, you know going after. 
Hmm. One quick question. Uh, any update on uh, your next scooter variant and uh, which customer segment you want to target? So yeah, so we, <clears throat> so we, we, you know, it's still early days for the 450X and plus. Uh, we've just been in market for a few months. But uh, our plan is that we will consolidate uh, the scooter market in the next couple of years. So we are looking at another variant for the next nine to 12 months or so. Um, addressing a different, uh, you know, a different price point, unlocking a, you know, a segment, uh, a whole new segment. So a new price point, which is slightly lower than where we currently are. So today, you know, with the current pricing that we have, we already are playing in the heart of the 125cc market, you know, with the one with the 450 plus, which is about, depending on where you buy it from, which is from 1,5 to 1,25 based on the state subsidy. But if you're looking at another product, which is a notch lower in price point than this one, and that sort of allows us to play pretty much in the entire market uh, and the only segments that we will not address and uh, which which we which we have actively said no to are those uh, the entry level delivery logistics and that segment that's not just not a segment we're going after but from a b2c perspective uh, pretty much the entire market uh, over the next 12 months okay excellent uh, very interesting as always uh, Ravneet, uh, thank you for making time for this pleasure pleasure great talking to you that was Ravneet pokela that's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.